Hi, moviegoers. I'm your host, Megan Reyes. And I'm Anna. And this is Cinemascope. So Liv isn't with us this week. Obviously, you didn't hear her in the intro. Anna actually picked up this movie. So why don't you go ahead and tell us kind of what it is? Okay, so The Great Hack is a documentary. It's on Netflix. And it's basically about this company called Cambridge Analytica, which they sort of run social media. Like they perf- they gather data. It's a data gathering company. And they gather data points on everyone throughout social media using the internet. And then they use it to kind of persuade, to make companies or organizations or people go one way or another. They talked about persuading using the election and it's basically used for agendas. Right, so I know for me specifically, like I have heard of these companies before and like I know that they exist. It didn't click in my brain, like it's actually this bad. Like they are stealing your data and they are using it like against you and it's, Obviously, like I said, like I knew they were doing that, but it's it's really difficult to imagine people that their whole job is to make a profile on me, on Megan Reyes, who likes cats. That's what her Instagram is. Well, I didn't understand what kind of information they were gathering on me and why me? Like, why are they gathering information on me? Nothing I have to say is useful, you know? Yeah, no. Okay, so the thing that I have is like you tell people like oh they're gathering our data and then people are like okay she's a little paranoid or like they think you're some kind of crazy conspiracy theorist but no like this is actually happening and I think that going into this movie I me too I knew I knew that these companies existed I didn't know like what they did specifically I knew that they existed and I always like I I saw people like that too like people who were like oh my god they're listening to you and they're following you and tracking you on social media but like they are really doing that and it's so scary how much access someone can have remotely on you right I used to go home especially at my old school a lot of people have you seen the people who put the tape over their webcams on their computers yes they say I do it so that they don't track me and I used to come home and say to my mom are you kidding me? Like these people are so paranoid. Like what good is my information going to do for the Biden campaign or the Trump campaign? Or I don't even know for other things. Like, are you kidding? And I think especially after watching both this and um, the social dilemma, I think I kind of have a new perspective on it. And I'm not going to go and put tape over my webcam because I don't think that that's a thing. But Right. I actually, I actually used to do that, but it was because one of my friends who, yeah, I used to do it. It was because one of my friends who actually lives in Canada now, her mom would make her like tell her to do it because she was just paranoid. And it kind of like rubbed off on me for like three or four years. And then one year I was like, I stopped and I was like, wait, why is there a sticky note on my webcam again? And then I took it off and I haven't had it on since. Although I think that's kind of a crazy, I think that's a real conspiracy theory. It's so much bigger than them watching you through your webcam. It's them analyzing what you like, where you hang out, who you talk to, what you enjoy, what'll get you more addicted to the internet. It's them literally analyzing your personality and using it for their own agenda. Obviously, like we said, there are a lot of companies out there that do this specific thing. This documentary focuses on Cambridge Analytica, which is a data gathering website, business program, whatever you want to call it. And a couple years ago, 
during the first Trump campaign, so 2016, their CEO, Alexander Nix, was exposed on Channel 4, claiming to have 5,000 data points on every American voter. And Professor David Carroll took notice, who is kind of, I guess, narrating and who started the whole, these people need to be exposed. And so he, this was kind of his idea. As far as like bringing people in, I think the documentary was kind of good. It showed different perspectives, basically on like the company, even that one girl, um, Brittany Kaiser, people who work for the company, people who were affected by the company. And that's what I think that was, although it was kind of boring at times to just watch interview after interview, I think it was really interesting because you got to see all the different perspectives, but they were all saying mostly the same thing. Like they are collecting your data and this is important and this needs to be paid attention to and somebody needs to do something about this. So the focus of this documentary was a woman named Brittany Kaiser. And I know Anna saw me, but when she said her name, I gave the biggest eye roll. I, oh, I I do not like that woman. So she was a research processor at Cambridge Analytica before she quit. I just want to make it clear that she quit. She was not fired. She was not let go she she quit because one day she woke up and said I don't want to do this anymore I don't want to be the person that is harvesting other people's information for my good and as much as I don't like her I think that she's very much so I've been characterizing people as like Hogwarts houses very recently so I want to say that she's very cunning and she she only does things that will make her gain the lead, if that makes sense. I don't know. I just don't like her. <laughs> I think that she's horrible. Right. I have a more neutral like view towards her. I don't hate her. I don't love her. I think what she did was wrong. I hate. I think that she should have paid more attention to what she was doing, who she was working for, and like how it was being used. And I think that it was very wrong of her not to drop out earlier or like at least make it more more known. But again, these companies were very powerful. In a way, I sort of respect like how she is talking about this so publicly because those companies are so powerful and she knows that, but she still is out there like being saying that, oh, this is something we all need to pay attention to. And she's giving, you know, a firsthand perspective of what's actually going on. I think she's... I think she's a normal person, you know, she has some good things about her and some bad things about her. But yeah, I just wish that she would have gone more public with this sooner. So David Carroll undertook a legal journey to try and reclaim his data with the help of lawyer Ravi Naik of IT and solicitors, an expert on data privacy in the United Kingdom. So all of this kind of takes place in the United Kingdom because Cambridge Analytica is a very UK-based company. Um, Alexander Nix, who is the CEO, is British, and he lives in Britain, and the headquarters is in Britain. And so most of this takes place in the UK, which I actually have a question. Why is a European company heading the advertisement an American situation? I actually, I didn't even put that much thought onto like, oh, wow, it's a British film. I think it talks a lot about like, how remote the internet really is because the fact that these people are in their UK yet they're being hired for elections or you know personal agendas all around the world it's kind of crazy because like they can have their headquarters literally anywhere and they can still be doing all of this work and like just not have to be there physically uh what I 
honestly, I don't know what Trump was trying to do with that. I think that they were like maybe the best in the industry or just because they were so well known as to like collecting data points. Um, yeah, I, I really, I don't have an answer for that. I don't know if I'm reading too much into that, but I just thought that that was weird because Cambridge Analytica processed user data via SCL in Britain. Carol's complaints fell under British jurisdiction. So essentially what that means is David Carroll, who is an American professor that lives in America, had to go all the way to Britain to sue this company for his data back, which I feel like is such a hassle, but it it, it makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. On July 4th, 2017, Carol filed a, filed a complaint with the Information Commissioner's Office, or the ICO, of the UK. As a result, SCL was fined £15,000 for a lack of compliance with the ICO. Also, as a result, Facebook paid £500,000 for a lack of transparency and security issues related to the harvesting of data, the related scandal. I don't know if you remember this, but do you remember the whole Facebook scandal where they were like, not the one where Mark Zuckerberg is a lizard, but the one where he is stealing all of your data and like making lots and lots of money on it? I was about to bring that up because I know that this documentary talks about it. I actually like remember when I was, when I, I think this was four or five years ago. I don't really remember that. I think it was 2016. Okay. So four years ago. So I remember like if it were today, just like people talking about like, oh, they're stealing your data. And I was like, oh my God, they're crazy paranoid. I was like, what are they doing? And I was only 12 at the time, but like, wow, is the only way I can describe it. Like the way your perspective changes when you watch this movie is crazy. Cause I just, I never thought that like something as real as Facebook stealing your data could happen. Like that just seemed like such a far reached abstract concept to me that I was like, no, how is that not even illegal? Like that, that's not happening. Well, it, it is illegal, but I, I like watching documentaries now. We've done about three on this podcast. We've done Crazy About Tiffany's. We've done The Social Dilemma and now we're doing The Great Hack. It's crazy to me that I remember this stuff. I remember that happening and it, that never used to happen. I remember Mark Zuckerberg is stealing our data for his own personal use scandal. And I remember that very vividly because I was terrified because all I wanted to do was play Farmville. I couldn't do that. And I just think it's crazy that kids growing up in the 21st century have to deal with this kids growing up in the 20th century didn't. And I think it's I think it's weird to kind of see those two different aspects of what our parents had to deal with versus what we have to deal with. Yeah, and I think that's causing such a big divide between generations is a divide that we really haven't seen before, like a divide this big because like before, whatever, you can talk about the industrial revolution, but this is way more, this is way more of like a, a real like direct influence on an entire generation like and this needs to be talked about more because like obviously the influence social media can have on kids it can lead to more anxiety more depression more suicide rates it's just it needs to be talked about and along with that is also like oh how are companies benefiting from your information and like to what extent are we going to allow them to do this like how far are we willing to let them go I like that you brought up the divide because 
I'll be on my phone in the morning because it's the morning and I just need something to stimulate my brain and to wake me up a little bit. And my mom will say, you guys are so lucky because when I was growing up, we didn't even have phones. And I just think that's that's not my fault. Um, and I think that a lot of the scandals that are going on right now and, and the problems with technology are getting blamed on our generation. So Gen Z and millennials, but that's not our fault. Us, Mark Zuckerberg stealing our data is not my fault. And I think it's, I think it's weird to see that blame shifted. Yeah, I agree with you because we're not doing anything. If anything, we're, we are the ones that are being kind of like preyed on. Uh, During Carol's legal battle, SEL filed for bankruptcy. Shocking! Um, Cambridge Analytica's work was also found to violate the UK privacy laws. And like, I'm going to say this a lot during this episode, but that's crazy. How are you just now saying that your work is illegal? I feel like how... How can people just now see that? And I don't, I don't know if that's just me or how oblivious can these people be? Right. My question is, how did you not notice what you, like, again, to Brittany Kaiser, how did you not notice that this was happening? Like, did it just not occur to you how this is altering lives? Like, did, I, I just don't understand. Like, was she not able to fully analyze what she was doing, how that was affecting people? But hold on, I wanted to talk really quick um, about what you were you were talking about, like social media and technologies and everything. And like, honestly, just the huge divide between all the generations and people, oftentimes people are like, oh, when I was your age, um, obviously older people, they're like, we have to go look up, look up stuff in the books. We had no phones. We couldn't call up our friends. And I know I've talked to some people who have always said like, I wish I lived where there weren't phones. And I think we need to do something about that because that is so sad, you know, saying, I mean, the phones are really an incredible thing. Like in science, it's crazy. Like you can communicate with someone who is far away through like virtually nothing. It's literally just a message in the air anyways. But like some people, some people are like, oh, I just wish I had lived somewhere without phones. And I think that we need to do something about this because phones are such a, crazy thing. And I know some people love them. I think they're, I think they're an excellent piece of technology, but I think that they have way too much impact on our lives. But I just, I wanted to talk about that because to me, that's just, that's crazy that some people really would just rather not even have phones at all because of what it's causing. I know that if you guys listen to our episode, The Social Dilemma, we talked a lot about what Google and phones and technology was created for, and it was created to be a source for good. Google was created to be a search engine for people to work on school and things like that, and it just kind of spiraled out of control. And I think that that's horrible. As somebody who was cyberbullied, I completely understand everything that the adults are saying. It's an easier way to target people. It's an easier way to get bullied. I understand that because it happened to me, but also it's a fantastic way to learn more information. I can't tell you how many times I've been looking something up and then I've gotten into a wormhole and I've come out with a new interest. I mean, it's it's fantastic. That is a truly fantastic phenomenon, but 
the fact that people wish they could go back in time to a place without phones is is sad to me because that's what, not what this was created for. It was created to be a source of good. And the fact that companies like Cambridge Analytica decided to manipulate that force of good, ridiculous. Totally agree with you, Megan. I, I think that the social dilemma and the great hack, although they are both, they both have different plot lines. They're both telling the same, two different sides of the same story. One talks to, well, they both talk about like how it affects like every person, but I think that the social dilemma goes more in depth about like how it affects your daily life. While this one is more of like a long-term life in your lifespan. But I think the movies are, should be a sequence at least. Like Netflix could really do this because they are both so important to understanding what's really happening with our information once it goes online. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this from a movie aspect, not just a hard-hitting documentary aspect. But I definitely feel like this could have been a series um, just because there was so much information to process in an hour and a half. And I feel like they could have done like different episodes on different people. So they could have an episode for Brittany Kaiser. They could have had an episode to explain what Cambridge Analytical does. They could have had an episode explaining everybody's interactions with Alexander Nix. And I feel like it would have been much better as a, or a docu-series, um, but that might just be me. The ICO released a statement saying, had SCLE still existed in its original form, our intention would have been to issue the company with a substantial fine for severe breaches of principle one of the DPA 1998 for unfairly processing people's data for political purposes, including purposes connected to the 2016 US presidential campaigns. Um, there we go with the UK company in a US election. I think that that is so weird. Right, and towards the end of the movie, I know this is jumping a little bit ahead, but they also talked about Russia's influence on activist movements here. And the one thing I do hate about like this whole internet thing is how somebody can have such a reach, such an impact on even another country, not even just somebody else. And they're so far away. It's like the whole anonymity and the whole like just it seems out of reach to us and i just i don't i don't like that companies and organizations and people are allowed to do that like i know that they're not supposed like i know it's probably illegal but like just the fact that the internet is providing a means for them to follow through with those malicious intents i just i don't like it i totally agree with you anna i i think that that is ridiculous and crazy and terrifying especially for David Carroll he found out about it and said hey you shouldn't be doing this give that back to me and he had to jump through hoops to get everything that he needed for something that was his to begin with while David Carroll's journey unfolds the investigative journalist Carol Cadwaller continues her work into the influence of Cambridge Analytica. This work leads her to whistleblower Christopher Wiley, who explains how micro-targeting combined with mass harvesting of data was used to influence elections. They, he flat out says, we essentially rigged the election. I think, I mean, you know, it wasn't like I rigged the election, but it was implied throughout the entire movie 
And I honestly, I heard about, I heard about it when it happened, you know, after the election or a year or so after, but I, I never really heard about it, if that makes any sense. You know, like I heard the concept of it, but like, I never heard anything after that. And I just, I think that we need to talk about like how real this is and how this is actually impacting us. Cause it's not something we can just overturn and be like, eh, whatever. Like it's relevant to our society. It's relevant to, it's relevant to how our governments function how everything functions like this could disturb peace this could so many so much malicious intent can be carried out using this so obviously i know that a lot of politicians are incredibly corrupt <laughs> anna's face just then um but i feel like back when technology wasn't a thing so back in the time of jfk um abraham lincoln people like that they literally had to pack up their things and go across the country so nobody was able to twist their words or do a lot of manipulate it like they are today i mean obviously things still got manipulated it's politics, everything's manipulated, but not to the extent that it is today. I think that when you can get on the internet, especially behind the anonymity, there's there's nothing stopping you from like retweeting something that even, and I think this is mainly about misinformation and how easily it can be spread throughout the internet because that's what is really happening. Like words are being taken out of context, which is so easy to do. You go into a movie clip and you I'm into like a YouTube clip and you just see like a politician saying something that sounds wrong and so then people like it goes viral and nobody actually understands because like it's a it's a thing more like are you reading past the headline because a lot of people don't they read the headline of the articles and they think that they know what's going on but a headline doesn't explain everything um and that misinformation is something that companies like Cambridge Analytica know that they can use to their advantage because they know how they can influence people based on putting thoughts out there that people will take as facts. Which is scary to me because I I like to think that I'm not ignorant. I like to think that, and I definitely do just because I want to be a journalist and, and I know journalists and I understand how much hard work they put into articles. So I read the articles, but how ignorant is that? to just read a headline and say, I'm going to form an opinion about this person because I read this about them. But actually, they didn't say that. And it's, it's, it's scary to me that this is what is happening. Because we've allowed ourselves to do that. Totally. And I mean, it doesn't even have to come down to people like it can come down to bills being passed in Congress or news that's happening somewhere in the world or, you know, social conflicts. It, it goes, it has such a far reach and it just happens in every aspect of social media. And again, there's nothing any of any social media platform can really do about that. Like, who are they to stop people? Like, it's the internet is just so vast that they have, they can't have that much control over that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's a problem. And I think more people need to be aware of how quickly misinformation can spread and how quickly, like people need to be aware that just, you need to read between the lines. You need to actually, um, you need to read a bunch of articles from a bunch of different sources. You need to gather your information and make your own opinion because just copying somebody's opinion isn't going to get you anywhere. So Cadwallers exclusive interviews with Wiley and The Observer reveal how psychographic profiling tactics were carried out with user data scraped from Facebook with the help of Cambridge University professors Alexander Kogan, 
these allegations take the Cambridge Analytical scandal public and lead widely to testifying in the UK Parliament, mentioning the name of a former director at Cambridge Analytica, Brittany Kaiser. I don't like her. <laughs> a polarizing yet essential part of Cambridge Analytica scan scandal. We first meet Brittany Kaiser. Um, obviously, we first meet her through Alex Wiley or Christopher Wiley, but we don't actually see her and we don't actually talk to her until a little bit later. And she is in French Polynesia, just living her life, sunbathing in the pool. And that is so frustrating to me. And it gets, she gets a little bit more frustrating to me later on as well. But she caused so much pain and so much heartbreak and so much panic. And she's just sunbathing in French Polynesia. Yeah, it honestly talks about how remote it is. And honestly, that is one of the things I didn't, I didn't like about her was how can you live with that? That's, if I could ask her one thing, it's how do you live with that? How do you live knowing what you did is disturbing piece and disturbing people's opinions and, you know, just being used for a bad intent or a personal agenda where it should not be. I... I can't answer that question because I was never in her position and I most likely will avoid being in her position after watching this documentary. Uh, uh, I really, I have no explanation for her. I would really like an answer though. I think, so she goes on later to say that she used to be very democratic and she always voted blue and she, her and her family would always get to fights because they didn't believe what she believed or she didn't believe what they believed but she just switched overnight to something I don't even think she believed in she said in an interview that she hates guns and I don't like guns either um but obviously having a death in the military I'm obviously exposed exposed to that but I don't I don't like guns and she said she hates guns but she was going out once a week shooting with some some of her friends. And I think it's crazy how one little bit of influence can change your opinion drastically. Right, I remember that part of the movie where she started to talk about how after she started hanging out with more Republican people, she just sort of switched very, very easily. And I don't quite understand that. I it's especially with how polar things are now I don't really understand how that happens and I again cannot put myself I simply can't put myself in her perspective because I don't get it but um she also talked about how she went like hunting and she did all the she kind of lived the southern life you know um she got into the um the boots and I guess you could say or like the shoes of a standard republican or conservative and her switch I think is the thing that talks most about like how influencing all this can be because the fact that she was able to go from one end of the spectrum to the other so quickly and just by just by the people who she associated with you know like it didn't even have to do that much with the reach that the internet was having on her like obviously you know we all know how the algorithm works like it targets what you like to see so that you stay on social media um, she didn't even need any of that. 
And I think that like, even now when we have, now when you add that into the equation, you need to think about how, how much social media is being used as a form of political means, which I don't really understand because I think social media was meant to be an entertainment of sorts. It wasn't supposed to be anything about like information. Like whenever I get that, it's a way to spread awareness of things. But whenever I go into social media, I'm not there looking for political information. I'm there to just like take a break, you know, some sort of entertainment. And then like every other TikTok I scroll is about some political affiliation or some political, like something that's happening or like in a social conflict. And I just, I don't like that. You know, I want to get on social media and just see what other people are doing, see what my friends are doing, see what people are up to, like new trends. I I don't agree with any all of this that's happening. I think that there needs to be some something needs to be done about this, honestly. I like I like that you said that. Um I my Instagram or TikTok or pretty like pretty much my Instagram and TikTok are full of vintage clothing because that's me, cats because I love cats, and photography because I am a photographer. And I get political posts, well, not political posts even, political ads. And political posts and political ads are two completely different things. And I, I feel like that's something that this this documentary definitely, definitely emphasizes is that ads and posts are different things. Ads are trying to get you to lean one way, posts are spreading awareness. And companies like Cambridge Analytica and people like Brittany Kaiser and Alexander Nix are trying to to sway your opinion. They don't they don't care about awareness. They want you on their side now. I'm gonna be honest. They care about the money. That's it. They they're following the money. You know, it's not even as far as political affiliation. They just they're looking for whatever gets them the most money, the most data points, and whatever is best for their company truly is what they want to is what they're after because you know obviously you want to expand your company but like we need to put a humanitarian check on this like what is actually happening here and like how ethical is it so she had to consider becoming a whistleblower she wasn't automatically saying what i'm doing is wrong i need to fix this she had to consider it and I know consider isn't that big of a deal, but I I feel like that word isn't, I know what I'm doing is wrong, so I need to fix it. It's, well, let me sit on that. I'll, I'll see about it. And I think people like that and people like her are so infuriating because she shouldn't have to think about that. She should have a better moral compass than that. And I know that's something that they talk about. Um, David Carroll talks about that when she's going to testify, they said that I think she has a good enough moral compass for this. Good enough is not good enough. I think that she has a great moral compass for this, or I don't think she has the moral compass for this. And they were worried about the fact that she was going to switch sides the whole time. And she didn't. And that's good. But she was following the money. Yeah. And you know, the money is only going to get you so far. You need to actually think about what you're doing and how your actions are in turn affecting others. Again, for like the hundredth time, can't put myself in her position because I just don't understand how a human being could do that. And I totally agree with you. A good enough moral compass is not good enough when it comes to doing something as broad and something as important and relevant to this. 
because this is everywhere. This is here. This is now. This is, isn't happening in the future. This is happening right now. Like they're taking your data and you need to hear about this. It's not that she didn't realize that what she was doing was wrong because she knew what she was doing was wrong. She just decided to go with it. Something that she said that really bugged me about Alexander Nix was when he first met her and he was trying to get her to join his team. He said, let me get you drunk and expose all of your secrets. And I was just thinking, are you kidding me? You're really going to go be friends with somebody like that? I, I'm 16. I'm 16 years old. And I know right from wrong about that. Somebody says, let me get you drunk and expose all your secrets. Absolutely not. I would walk away, A, because you already know what you're going to be expecting from something like this. And B, that is so, so unprofessional. No matter what environment you are in, you don't say that to somebody when you're looking to hire them. That just, it doesn't really click right with me. And this whole thing about like how powerful these companies are is about absolute control. And nobody should have absolute control on something as big as this, because this, this is huge. The, just have, having the means to control everything that's going on on the internet, all the data points on everybody and everything is just not a power that one person or one company should have. I mean, not even all companies should have. It should be, it should be up to the people, you know, to be like, okay, um, maybe we don't want this information. And I know that there's like the terms of use agreements on Google and on literally every social media thing, but who actually reads those? Like they need to make this more accessible for your standard your standard person, like normal working class person. They also brought in the last COO, CEO, CFO. I'm, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure which one it was, but his name is Julian Wheatland. And he was the last CEO and former COO and CFO, I think, of Cambridge Analytica. It, it starts with a C and ends with an O. I'm not sure what the middle the letter in between. He said, I had no idea what I was getting into because even though Alexander wasn't there, he was still there. I think that that is something that bugs me because quite honestly, I don't feel like any of these people with maybe the exception of Brittany Kaiser knew what they were doing. I think that it was Alexander telling them, hey, you do this because the mark of a good boss is being charismatic as heck. I think he played that very, very well. And especially a CEO, like that's what the main thing that you look for is somebody who's persuading and somebody who's good at leadership. But again, from him, after him saying that, obviously they didn't know what they were doing is like that broad. And I think that in a sense, when you're, when you're like money is waved in front of your hand and you're like, oh, look how easy this is. And you're just kind of, you just kind of look at it like, oh, I'm completing my nine to five job. I'm getting my money. I can go places. You don't think about what influence is my work going to have? I don't think they ever stopped and did that until after they were working for them. And going back to like what you said about the age thing, she did talk about how when she was, I think it was 13, it was very early in her teenage years. She started working for the Obama campaign. And I was sitting there like, wow that's very young to be working for a political campaign. Wow. And honestly, just mind-blowing about how she switched so fast and how she just, she was doing it, but she had no clue how it was affecting her. I was going to bring that up. So thank you for bringing that up. But she was working for one of the 
biggest campaigns in, in American history. Like that was a huge campaign. And she was saying, I don't know how this happened, but I was working on one of the biggest campaigns. I was a social media manager. I was doing all the social media. I was doing all this press at 13. And she met Joe Biden and she met um, Barack Obama and she met Michelle. And then she met all of these people and was like, huh, this is really cool. I really like this experience. This is something I want to do. And then she just switched so easily because why? I mean, I'm not going to dog on you for your political beliefs. I don't care what you believe in. The fact that she was able to switch her beliefs so quickly is astonishing to me because I know people who are so set in their ways. And I've never met somebody who is willing to switch because, hey, that's what my friends are doing. Because Anna just made like a money money sign at me. I said, she like, yes, she is doing it for money, but she's also doing it because maybe peer pressure, maybe she isn't as secure in her ways as she thinks she is. I think you're right. It's an interesting viewpoint on this because one of the most important things is to have an open mind and it's to read behind the headline, to read more than the headline, to make your own opinion rather than read the facts and not the facts, but just read the summary in front of you. Like you're not going to gain any perspective from that. And most of the times that's just going to lead you to have like an ignorant belief because the truth about like education is that you're not going to get it from reading the headline of an article and you're not going to get it by reading one article. You need to you need to educate yourself. You need to make your, do your own research or own point of view. As you hear about something, you don't go and like ask your friend what they believe about it, or you don't follow your political party. You need to make your own decision and then you need to see where that leads you. From a movie standpoint, what do you give this as a rating out of 10? So it was a good documentary. Honestly, the way that they sort of packed everything in there, I did not really like. And at times, because they did do that, it was so like overwhelming and like information loading that it was kind of boring. I would probably give it a eight out of 10. I am also gonna say that the way they kind of formatted it and and the way that they kind of packed everything into a very, very small amount of time was very overwhelming and very confusing to me. And I, I think that a better way to do a, a type of documentary like this is to, um, do a docu-series, which I feel like would have been so much better for this specific documentary. So I'm going to give it about a seven and a half out of 10. I take the half a point away because of Brittany Kaiser. I cannot stand her. And I know that sounds petty, but I cannot stand her. <laughs> so what are your final thoughts? Um, Overall, really good movie documentary, whatever you want to call it. I would watch it along with The Social Dilemma. Um honestly very interested in these types of documentaries because it's just something that affects you but like you're not even it doesn't feel like it affects you but it does so like definitely watch this movie because it's a good movie it's on netflix and it's it's very eye-opening um i don't know if i would watch this movie again i think again like for me i i, I like things in a certain format and so if it moves away from that format i get kind of overwhelmed and and freaked out so I don't think I'd watch this one again I would definitely watch the social dilemma again so if you guys want a similar uh kind of movie definitely go watch the social dilemma that one was fantastic um 
but yeah I would definitely tell people to watch it just because it is something important to watch just be careful because it can get a little bit confusing at times yeah definitely wouldn't watch it again it's it's a once in a like once in a uh like you watch it once and you get your perspective and then you can you know see what you do with it and see how you apply to it it's kind of a little bit boring to watch twice because like yeah you know all the information and like yeah whatever you know thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode we live in anna will be back next time reviewing a christmas movie because it's christmas time i'm so excited for all these christmas movies that are coming out this this year so we're going to be reviewing a couple christmas movies um please be sure to check out live in anna's other podcast seriously ridiculous where they talk and rant about all things harry potter and it just gets seriously ridiculous and my other podcast girl power where i will talk about 10 amazing women forgotten about by history thank you guys so much for listening we'll see you next week